Welcome to the Not Your Average My podcast, where four Hmong American women working to move our community forward one conversation at a time will provide a raw, fun, and not-so-average perspectives on important everyday issues. So tune in every month with Liz, Mania, Monica, and Katie. Let's get started. Thank you for tuning in to our first episode. We're so excited to have you all join us today. For our episode today, we're going to talk about the early abortion bans and women's rights to safe reproductive health. And if you haven't heard about the abortion bans, you're in the right place. Um, we know that this topic can be very sensitive. It's very personal. It's also very stigmatized to talk about, but we are really hoping that you are courageous and vulnerable with us as we go through our conversation today about the early abortion bans and abortions in general, women's rights to safe reproductive health. A little bit of information about the early abortion bans. If you, have, if you um, haven't heard on the news, nine states have passed early abortion bans across the country that would not allow abortions to be performed at a certain point during a pregnancy. So for example, in some states, abortion wouldn't be allowed after six weeks of pregnancy. In other states, it would not be allowed after 18 weeks. And I do want to note that Alabama has the most restrictive ban, uh, which would prohibit abortion at zero weeks, even in the case of rape or incest. And only when a woman's life is threatened would abortion be allowed. So with these early abortion bans, folks have seen them as recent attacks on women's rights, women's health. For others on the pro-life spectrum, this is great news for them, right? So I do really want to get your thoughts on this, ladies. And, you know, thinking about ourselves as small American women and these early abortion bans, how do you think that these early abortion bans will affect mom women and our mom community? Well, but in, before we continue, we just want to make clear that abortion is definitely still legal in all 50 states. Um, obviously, a lot of these bans have been enacted by state legislatures, but they have also been challenged by people like Planned Parenthood and um, ACLU, which stands for the American Civil Liberties Union. So just want to make sure that's clear to everybody. Um, but, you know, the, the interesting thing is um, a lot of the legislatures that have um, voted for these really strict abortion bans are, you know, old white guys trying to make decisions about women's bodies. And, um, you know, like Mania talked about uh, this abortion ban at zero weeks, um, they're only doing that so that they can overturn Roe v. Wade, um, which isn't uh, crazy. Yeah, I mean, just hearing all of that was like, so heavy and so freaking frustrating. Like, I... I, I can't even imagine living in one of those states, right? Um, and despite, you know, abortion still being legal in America, like these legislators and states have done everything they can to make abortion harder, right? And I don't know, to be honest, if it's already hard for white women to get abortions, obviously it's going to be 10 times harder for Hmong women and, you know, other Southeast Asian and like women of color to get abortions. Personally, have never you know, had to make that decision. Um, I may in the future, I don't know, but like, I just don't think that these abortion bans will help. So do we, what is Roe v. Wade? Do ladies know what that is? No, maybe let's, Monica, do you want to back up this way? Yeah, so, I mean, going off of what you said, Liz, um, basically in 1973, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled um, in this like landmark case that um, women have the right to privacy and 
um, this clause would protect their liberty to choose whether or not to have an abortion. So that was the Roe v. Wade case that basically affirmed the legality of women's rights to having an abortion um, in America. Right. The 14th Amendment protects your right to choose whether or not you want to have an abortion. Yeah. That, like you said, you know, legislators, states have consistently tried to pass, um, you know, different laws like and use different euphemisms to say, oh, to, we're passing these laws to protect women's rights when really these laws to fucking take away their rights. And, and so obviously I think it's going to be like a huge negative effect among women. And I, I don't see this benefiting any woman at all. Yeah, but women will have abortions regardless, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really access to safe abortions. And um, I don't know if y'all heard on the news recently, but... A pregnant woman was shot and the fetus had died and she was charged for the murder of her fetus, right? Um, I mean, what do y'all think about that, right? That's that's that, that's the reality yeah, for women that, today. That, that's exactly what these laws are doing. They're not protecting women. They're not, not protecting these, you know, um, these fetuses that now uh, all of a sudden have, like, personhood, right, or rights. Um, like, it's... It's basically just to criminalize women and tell us or and like have ownership over our bodies and take taking our rights away. Like, um, and you know, the in that news uh case that you mentioned, Manya, the perpetrator who shot her wasn't even charged, like, wasn't even indicted for the loss of her baby. I'm like, she didn't ask to be shot in the stomach, you know, or, or to to get shot at all. It's just it, these laws do not protect women at all. Right. Well, no. And, and I mean, you can tell the police report or the statements suggest that like she wanted to be shot or something. It's, it's insane how they value one kind of life over the other. It's absolutely insane. Right. Katie, uh-huh. I kind of want to get your thoughts on this. I mean, what, like, what do you think about these early abortion bans and how will they affect Hmong women? Um, you know, I think like our biggest thing that um, that I want to point out is that abortion isn't a black and white issue. It's, there's so many gray spots along that line that doesn't affect just one woman or any woman of color, just people in general. Like I have my own exactly. personal story to like where, um, you know, I had a pregnancy and it was a planned pregnancy and all. And um, I miscarried but my body wasn't ready to abort it so um i actually carried it a little bit longer than what i was supposed to i actually went into my doctors and we were waiting to look at my ultrasound and they're like you know your pregnancy is not viable and it has not been viable for quite a while it's time for you to let go and your body's not letting it go so you're gonna need a dnc which is a abortion procedure you know and i had it performed i had to do it not because I wanted to, but because my body couldn't do it. And like, if I was in one of these states, I probably would have been labeled as a criminal for trying to protect my own health, and my own well-being. I feel that I shouldn't have to be in my deathbed to get that stuff taken care of. And these are what um, these laws are setting up for us. I mean, do we really need to be bleeding out or like be dead just to go in and get something taken care of that um that we choose to to protect ourselves and yes this brings up a good point it's like how are you going to value a life that isn't even here yet over my life and i'm right here why aren't you willing to take care of me it's really should be about woman's health you know not something that isn't here yet well because a lot of those fluids would be toxic to your body and prevent you probably from having future babies 
Yes, and that's also a key thing. It's women's health. I mean, this is abortion is a part of women's health, and we should have a right to it. I mean, whether you be a Hmong woman or not. I mean, I know here in the Hmong community, it's not really talked about. I mean, well, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I think just miscarriages, abortion is like a taboo topic for women and people in general. Society doesn't talk about it, and even here within our own community, you yeah. know, I mean. Um, you know, a lot of people probably go through it, experience it, but no one ever talks about it. It's just like a hidden secret that you keep with you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, the, the best thing we can do is that we need to talk about these things to vocalize it, to make sure to let our sisters and our mothers and everybody know that it's OK, especially within our own community. I mean, it happens, you know. Some f- female um, stars have talked more about their miscarriages. I mean, Michelle Obama talked about her miscarriage, right, about how shameful she felt like not being an adequate mom or wife. Um but miscarriages are actually super, super common. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and actually, right, abortions happen all the time in our community. Um, like Katie said, we just, we don't talk about it. Um, but so yeah. why, so why yeah. do you all think that is? Like, if we kind of, you know, bring this back to Hmong women and yeah. Katie, yeah. first of all, thank you so much for sharing your story about your own abortion experience. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's hard to talk about a topic like that. So we really appreciate you opening up to us. And again, abortion access is part of women's health. So tying this back to the Hmong community, how do you all think the Hmong community supports women's health or even women's right to a safe abortion? I mean, yeah, it's no problem. Like I said, I mean, yeah, the only way you. to get about this is to make it vocal. You have to talk about it and make it become normalized. Otherwise, I mean, we're all just going to be carrying our own personal secrets away and have other people talk for us or speak up for us when it should be our choice. But I, yeah, and I going back to my yes question, I think it's such a taboo and like I I don't think the Hmong community supports abortions, at least from what I've seen, because of just how much pressure and cultural like expectations there are on young Hmong women to kids as soon as they marry or to be forced into marrying their partners or f- or the father of this, you know, assumed baby. Like I I, I don't think it's supported, especially when we don't like already have agencies over our bodies. And it's funny you mentioned, um, you guys bring this question up because I read a short excerpt from a scholarly article that was like, uh, written in 2003 and that's a long ass time ago, but (laughs) not that long. Um, This study was done in Melbourne, Australia, where Mm. surveyed Hmong women about, um, you know, perceptions of abortion. And the excerpt basically says that Hmong women um, you know, who are older and who have had many children, like have the right to an abortion, but young women do not have that right. Um, because, or, or they feel like they have no right. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, but that's true. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of aunties who have had abortion. Yeah. Like um, it basically says the excerpt says women may wish to control the fertility by means of abortion, but their wishes may not be, may be constrained by a societal norm that places a great deal of women to continue producing children. So, Basically, in our culture, um, for young women, because, you know, it, it's like a societal, like, um, cosmological They're- balance. I'm just going to jump in on this one and I'm just going to say that like I think the Hmong community is not that they don't support abortion but they don't support legal and public abortions. 
No, that's true. Now, whether you go mm-hmm. out right. by yourself to take care of your own issue mm-hmm. and no one knows about it, it's like, you know, if I didn't see you, I didn't hear you, then I don't care what you did. Right. But, yeah. I mean, that's, again, it's just like, I think it's just, again, um, reputation and losing face. And exactly. it's, too, it's too worried. Everyone's too worried about that. But, um, yes, I mean, like, yes and no. I think there is some kind of support. Like, yes, you're right. Like, maybe for older women who are more established or who are just done having kids and stuff, people, like, kind of turn a blind eye. and then for like a younger girl it might just be like hey um don't tell me about your stuff take care of it and let's pretend it never happened let's Mm -hmm. sweep it under the rug and you know i mean it's sad but i think that's not just in the moon community again i believe that that's just an overall um taboo that nobody wants to talk or deal with yeah but so what i'm hearing is like a a, um like this generational difference when it comes to having and when it comes to the perception of is it okay to even have an abortion, right? So what I'm hearing is the older generation, they have a little bit more agency over their bodies for the younger generation, for those who, I don't know, are in high school, get pregnant, they're forced to get married. Monica, that's what I'm kind of hearing from you. I mean, how does, I mean, we know that our culture is very patriarchal. We know that a lot of these traditional customs that take place a lot of these marriages everything is very patriarchal led by Hmong men how does that affect women's choices to make decisions over their own bodies whether that is to have an abortion at a young age or whether that is to have an abortion when they're married i mean that's and then it goes back to right the the belief that like you know women are there to bear children and carry on the family line right so like when you newly get married you're like your in-laws are expected to get grandkids soon and, and stuff um, you know, I think um, the other piece of that, though, I want to touch upon this before we move on is um, a lot of people who get abortions are actually parents already, right? Um, and, and I think in Katie, in your case, like that, that's true. Um, I think there, I don't remember the statistic now, but um, a lot of people who, who do pursue abortion procedures um, do so because they have no other choice and they already have kids. It's not that they don't want to have kids. Um, but, you know, taking it back to like the Hmong thing, it's, I think the younger woman feel a pressure to start the family quickly and soon to continue the family line. I mean, for me, like, I used to also think that a part of it is, um, you know, our, our parents' generation have gone through so much trauma. Um, you know, there are a lot of kids that were, were killed or drowned, you know, on the way crossing the Mekong That's or, right. you know, just through, through like all the struggles, like of, of like hiding in the jungles and stuff. And, um, you know, a lot of people will question like, you know, wh- why would you, why would you abort, right? When, when we've lost so many precious lives. And I think that that's a part of it, right? Because I also see so many families now, you know, who, who are so big, including, you know, my, my family um, and, and people who continue to have kids well late into their lives, because I think there was so much trauma on, on the way. So that's, I think, maybe a little part of it. And I don't know if your, your um, article or journal piece covered that, but at least my that's partially my personal theory. That's true, um, definitely, and and I like I hear Katie's perspective too. But I do th- still think that, like, um, just like what the article says, young Hmong women just don't have, don't seem to have that. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. they're given agency because then I don't think they'd be forced into unwanted marriages or young teenage marriages or would be forced to keep their babies. And I, if if abortion you know, was accepted, I think as a young girl or other young cousins and friend girlfriends of mine would have been able to go to their mom and say, hey, mom, like, I'm pregnant. 
can you help me get an abortion? Even if even right, like in right. secret, exactly. I think they would have been yes. able to do that, or I don't think they can do that now. Cause if yeah. they go to mm-hmm. mom, dad, mom, I'm pregnant. Their mom probably like, I don't want to generalize either, but I, from my experience and what I've seen, I think they would immediately probably be like, Oh, you have to marry uh, yes. this person. Like who, who got you pregnant? I, what I've seen is her only choice is you have to get married, but from, mm-hmm. for the partner in the situation, it's, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to marry her or do you not? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I want to share, you know, I guess, cause we're sharing mode. Thank you so much, Katie, for sharing your story earlier. Um, in middle school, um, I actually um, gave a speech um, in support of the anti-abortion movement just because I think um, my whole life being raised as like a Hmong daughter, um, it, 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 everything that had been imprinted on me was you must have your child, right? Like having the kid is so important. So, so like, this, again, going back... <laughs> Going back to um, the, you know, oh, right, there's trauma and there's all that. Like, I, I thought about that a lot, but, um, you know, there there are many things that had been said to me that I had seen, um, which, and I don't know where this came from, but we had a speech contest at school. And um, the year before, I had done, like, a play, um, one of Oscar Wilde's plays. But in eighth grade, I was like, oh, I want to be serious. I want to be taken seriously. I want to do something cool. And I was flipping through the issues. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, like, maybe I should talk about abortion. Like, maybe there's something going on around the time. But, um, you know, I was like, I should learn more about this. Everyone's talking about this. Um, you know, and um, I went to the library, got a bunch of resources, which all kind of happened to also by chance be like, um, very anti-choice and anti-abortion. And I don't know if that was intentional, because in a lot of places it is, but it was the public library. Um, so, cause I, I was also really trying to make up my mind. Like I knew as a, as a liberal and a Democrat, like I should support choice, but I didn't know why I didn't know why I cared and kind of all the resources that were coming up were not factual and they weren't like, uh, neutral. So I gave this speech, um, that kind of sucked and I knew it sucked. I knew it sucked so bad. I'm just surprised <laughs> that you knew you were Democratic <laughs> at eighth grade. Oh, yeah. in eighth grade. No, okay. I was super active, but I was like, shit, like, um, I feel, I feel like I should be supporting the other position. And so I love my English teacher so much because she was running the speech competition. She's like, Liz, have you like read these other things and like oh. she was trying to like walk me through this but i was like this is what i have and she's like oh okay she's definitely a hippie she was one of my best mentors but she was just like liz let's like walk you through this but i mean i i, I take a couple of things from that by be you know thinking about how you know even for someone like me who, who kind of whatever like quote unquote knew it wasn't the right position i my whole life i was like wow like this is something that I that had been imprinted on me from from my all the all the matriarchs in in my life, um, and it was actually something I hadn't thought about, you know, until we we were thinking about this conversation. Where I was like, oh my god, like I mean, I wasn't a crazy advocate, but you know those movies where you see the Asian girl like protesting outside the abortion clinics. Okay, that was me, and every time like in Juno or other stuff, like I yes, felt Juno. a little shame. Oh my god, that was me. But not that crazy. But I'm glad you evolved, Liz. Like over time, gradually, that you essentially were like, "Oh, I actually support pro-choice," or you know, "I'm pro-abortion." Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely been an evolution. Um, I don't know. I I think I definitely like. So, like I said, I I know a couple aunties who 
who've, you know, had abortion procedures. And I think it's just so hard seeing them live like in poverty and like, you know, with all their kids and, and like not having that autonomy over themselves, um, where that really brings home the point, like a lot of people are already mothers. And, um, you know, also brings home the point that right, like women of color and women in poverty, like need to have the ability to choose what to do with their bodies. Um, I'm single, not married, haven't had kids, and I've been able to take on so many opportunities, um, right? Because my parents, like, you know, were like, hey, we're not going to restrict you. We're not going to, you know, put you in these positions and make you get married early or whatever, right? And so just... I mean, I, I just want to jump in on that real fast. I just want to say that, like, yeah, abortion should be a choice because not everyone's situation is the same that Liz yeah. pointed out. Yep. We're all not mm-hmm. in a stable, healthy marriage or mm-hmm. financially stable enough in our lives. And, you know, we have this for us and this maybe future child. Can we really support this child to how we would want it to be supported? And if we can't, that's why we should have these um, choices, uh, you know, to be open in case, you know, I mean, like I said, we all, we all have different situations. We all live different lives and, it shouldn't just be uh, a one-for-all type choice because, like I said, I mean, no one else is going to support my child that I can't support and have everyone else criticize me for having a child that I can't afford mm-hmm. when I could have just had an abortion and been yeah. done with that. Yeah. So, I mean, all the people making choices for me, shut the fuck up, okay? <laughs> yeah, <you're laughs> That's right, Katie. <laughs> you know, I really appreciated you sharing your story, Liz, because it really takes time to really understand the other perspective, the other side, right? Which mm-hmm. is to under, which is to be okay with women being able to own their bodies and making choices for themselves, even if the community doesn't respect that or doesn't understand where that person is coming from. And I do want us to also be mindful that there are still women who are in situations where they can't make decisions. I feel like I'm talking about place of privilege because I'm not at home and I like I'm not in the environment where people feel like they can make decisions for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, just kind of thinking about the shame that comes with making a decision about having abortion or not, the challenges that women already face having access to safe reproductive health. What do you think we can do as a community? What what can we do to ensure that there is still safe reproductive health for our mom mothers or sisters or aunts or cousins um, who may not have the access that, that we do? I think from what I have observe see just how I feel personally I think it needs one starts with telling you know young mom girls and women that they have agency over their bodies and hopefully they can find you know people in their circle or in their circles that like will support them if they ever had to make that decision right like just really empowering young mom girls and women that they have agency over their bodies despite you know everything that our parents have told us or despite everything that our culture has taught us and then second which or or maybe in tandem with that right like really changing the cultural narrative in our community that like Hmong girls exist to only bear children or to be housekeepers or you know domesticated people right like you know all of the cultural like expectations and intergenerational trauma like totally recognize that but like we really have to talk and and get our elders the men our allies right our male allies to to speak up with us not only for us but with us and say you know young mom girls and women should not 
be subjected to these expectations, right? Whether they're young in their teenage years, 27 and are with their partners and like they want to delay, you know, having kids. Like, I think it really begins with, yeah, getting their older men to understand that, you know, we don't exist to just serve as mother figures or, or as people to bear children. Um, <clears throat> those, those are my two things. Like, I know it's really fucking hard and I would hope that my dad and uncles would be brave enough and courageous enough to to tell our other uncles that, you know, we shouldn't subject our daughters to this. And I think I'm really like what Lisa, we're really lucky to dads or, you know, male figures who support us and who have who will allow us to have agency over our bodies. But, you know, they they're the only people who will get the other men to listen. Right. I don't think old men will listen to us, but if we can get our allies to speak on our behalf like who knows I, I love that monica um with I, I feel like with my dad i don't think he's ever pressure us to get married early at all mm. like he's always been like you need to pursue higher education you can't depend on somebody else making money for you right so i feel like he has ingrained this in us and you know i grew like i have nine sisters and one brother and for him to instill this in us i i feel like that is so empowering and i definitely appreciate that from him uh, but I do want to note that growing up it was always like you better not get pregnant and then for my mom you know she's never said this to us but for other people like when somebody is pregnant and she doesn't want that baby or you know maybe she's had kids like consecutively every year mm-hmm. uh for my mom her response would be like oh you know right but I'm like how like how does that even make sense to me you know it's really challenging our parents when they do bring that kind of stuff mm-hmm. up and like I argue with my mom all the time about this it's like yeah. no if a woman doesn't want to have a baby then she doesn't need to have a baby at that time um but these are battles when it comes to these conversations yeah totally it's totally true um I mean Katie do you want to talk about like how your your experience was like you know you're a mom now right you're a mom of three you've you've had to have an abortion like do you think anything that you've learned like can help change perspectives of other elders in, in the community or how do yeah how do we continue to empower other young girls because you know you're married now so you're an elder and you also have kids <laughs> well i mean being a mom being with three, like i'm just gonna put this out there i love being a mom that's something that i've always wanted to do i mean that's like the best thing that's ever happened to me and like you know um i've been married for quite a while now but um you know i mean it's actually, I've never really shared that story with anybody because it's never been a public topic to talk about. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, just uh, this is why I want to talk about it. You know, it's not like it, it happens. It's life, you know, and the only way to make it normalized is to actually talk about your experience. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm really thankful that I have a very supportive and strong Mong husband, you know, who thought that whatever was best for my health is what matters, you know. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, my pregnancy was already over. It was not viable. It was a dead embryo, pretty much, you know, not even call it a baby because it wasn't even there yet, you know. But I mean, and, and like, it, I'm actually a little bit the opposite of Liz, actually. I, I've been pro-choice in all of that <laughs> all my life, you know, and I really am. For everyone else, but me personally, like, you know, I wouldn't abort if I didn't have to, but that doesn't mean that I don't support all the females in my life's choice to choose that because I know that it's a needed choice. It's, it's, you know, like it's a, 
it's their life. I, I mean, as long as it doesn't affect mine, why should I care? You know, and um, they should have that right. Not everyone's in a help, like good enough spot where they can have and support kids. You know, I mean, having kids is a wonderful thing. It's something that comes on later in life. And, you know, you want to be 100 percent for that. It's not mm-hmm. something that you want to go in 50 percent at a time or 10 percent or anything like that. Um, I believe motherhood is a very special thing and it should be honored when you're ready for it. You know, so you're not a fucking shitty mom, you know? I mean, that, I mean if true. I was a mom at 18, I don't know what I would have been like, you know? But I yeah. I mean, I was smart enough not to be a mom at 18. I'm not saying that people yeah. make dumb decisions, yeah. but I, I prevented myself from being pregnant with birth control, you know, and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm not saying that you have to. Mistakes happen. People have accidents and stuff like that. But to, to normalize it and talk about it, you know, I mean, I don't have a problem. I mean, if someone wants to hear my stories, like a male elder i'll just be like hey unless you can push a fucking baby out of your (laughs) don't tell me what to do with my body you know and like even then you know i don't fucking tell you to fucking put on a fucking condom so So, like why are you here to tell me what to do when it does happen it's my body my choice if somebody wants to have a conversation out there want a body go ahead first of all i'm not married to you second of all it's my choice even if i was married to you so i mean you raise you know, such a good I, point because when we think about uh, birth control, why is it that we always think uh, about women's responsibility to yeah. be on birth control? But Katie, how did you know to get on birth control? I knew that, um, you know, I mean, let's be real. You know, I, I knew I wanted to be responsible. I mean, I'm such a square, you know, so <laughs> I knew if I was going to make a bad decision <laughs> that I would be, I would be be protected of myself because honestly I knew I was not ready to be uh, a mom or anything like that I couldn't risk it because I mean first of all yes you know I wouldn't want to disappoint my parents more than anything and I knew that I still want to do so many things in my life like you know I'm like hey I'm 18 I haven't even had a legal drink you know like I said Mm. I was a square so I had to wait till I turned 21 (laughs) to have that and I'm like I just can't do it and but I'm I'm so fortunate and so um I'm blessed to be in a community where we do talk about um, sexual reproductive health and Mm. I had access to it. Um, That was like in my local high school, we had a local health clinic built in so anybody could go in and talk to them about, you know, whether it be birth control or other female health. And, you know, down the block from my high school was another clinic that was open to talk about a lot of things like that. Mm. And so, I mean, like I said, for those states that don't have any of this, I don't know what happens. I bet you teen pregnancy is a higher rate than what it is here. So, I mean, um, and I, I was actually pretty involved in a lot of like reproductive um, rights and sexual health groups as a youth, too. So, okay. I mean, I knew about it more because I educated myself and because I had that access. But for those that don't, you know, I I think that it would like ultimately hurt them, you know, because they're left with just one choice. And right. this is what we're doing right. to them right now by taking away another choice that they have, you know. Right. No, I mean, we funded something called the the Teen Pregnancy Prevention Program, TP, which um, is a federal program that disperses money um, across the, the country. And, and it's been working. Teen pregnancy has been on the decline um, for, for the past couple of years, which is great. 
Um, but there are also right other things like community health centers, um, which provide a lot of like sexual health education and resources like condoms and stuff to people. You know, I, I, we, I think one thing that maybe hasn't been quite clear um, is that, you know, a lot of women are, are right. And so um, Percade are really important to them um, in seeking health care in general. Um, and, and you guys might not know this, but, you know, Medicaid is administered by the states. And so um, there are some states that, um, you know, definitely don't cover abortion services. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, poor women have to, and, and, you know, women in general who are on Medicaid just have to find that, that resource elsewhere. And, and, and I know we've talked a lot about um, these abortion bans that have been coming down recently, but there have also been a lot of states that have seen this and they have actually expanded abortion access um, to, to everyone. So, um, you know, in places like Maine and Illinois, they've passed sweeping laws being like, you know, we want to, we want to um, also counteract a lot of the other bands, right? So and in Maine, um, they have made it legally possible for um, people like physician, um, like PAs, physician assistants, to, to do procedures um, and not just doctors, right? And then they're also mandating that all private insurance plans cover abortion services because believe it or not, abortion is not um, uh, not covered under, under any plan that you shop for. Um, so, you know, things like that are important. Um, I think we... We'll, we'll post a lot of this on um, our resources page. So, Liz, the pieces that you shared about what we can do at the legislative level, uh, you know, uh, are so important. From what I've kind of heard today, right, so some of the solutions that we talked about in terms of making sure that there's safe reproductive health for um, long women and women in general are, you know, to ensure that there's access to local and community resources mm-hmm. to continue to challenge gender norms within our community, within patriarchal societies, and to normalize conversations about safe reproductive health, whether that is to have an abortion or not. Um, so ladies, like, what are your, you know, what's one final key takeaway that you will want our audience to hear um, here today? Um, I'm going to go ahead and start. I just want to make this clear you know um this is our fight this is our chance to fight not because it's not her who needs the abortion but it's our fight and if we fight for this and have this right we i wouldn't have to see my nathais and my nilhuls at the flea market buying illegal um abortion pills so yep if we fight for this together we won't have to end up somewhere where we where we don't want to be getting any abortion Let's get a safe space for all of us. That's exactly it. Um, You know, adding on to that, Katie, I think for me, folks, call your representatives, voice your opinions, call on your members of Congress and senators to write a bill protecting women's rights. Talking with my partner about how the Supreme Court does not write the laws, they just enforce it. So we need to have representatives write these laws and protect our rights, right? So that's one thing. And my final thing is, I ultimately think, our right to abortions or, you know, just right to choose is rooted in sexual liberation. Like women and girls or, you know, people should have the liberty to have sex with whoever they want, whenever they want, without having to fear, you know, being pregnant or having babies and being slut shamed for it, right? If, if they ever need to have an abortion. Like, I ultimately think that's the key point and why women and girls are really afraid to, you know, come forward. And there's like, what, that's why there's such a taboo about it. So... Like, yeah, like, we really need to liberate our sexualities and our right to have sex and have abortions yep. whenever we want to. Um, so th- those are my two things. Yeah, totally. No, Monica, I'm, I'm with you. Um, so my piece is just that, 
um, you know, our, our aunties have been having abortions like for, you know, hundreds, thousands of years, right? And you, you always hear about like the chotai and, you know, like, all of that stuff. Um, so abortions are going to happen anyway. Um, you know, might as well have them in like a safe setting with the supervision of, of a doctor. And so that's why, you know, it's, it's so important to make sure that Hmong women, especially the young women out there, like know what resources are available to them. Um, and you know, when you talk about sexual liberation, I just wanted to say like, I mean, you know, the ladies in the harems have had their drugs and stuff for like thousands of years, right? We've had like harems like forever. And so, um, the crazy thing is like, but that, that sex has been commercialized and like available only for men. Right. And it's never been, um, you know, at the pleasure of, of women. And so, um, Right there with you, <laughs> um, you know, and, and I think maybe that's why like women having access to, um, you know, abortions is so threatening to certain people uh, because men want to, men writ large, want to have like control, you know, over, over that. So just um, make sure you have access to safe abortions. If you don't like your doctor, find another doctor because that's so important. Mm -hmm. Thank you all. I mean, this has been such a really important and hard conversation to have, but I think that so many resources were shared, so much, so many stories were shared, and that's what we need to continue to do to, to make sure that there's a space to share these stories. Um, I do want to note that, you know, it's important that we continue to center women's rights and gender equity when we do talk about abortions and this abortion debate and mm -hmm. to understand that women should be able to have agency over their bodies and their reproductive choices yes. you, you know that means that they want to become a parent not become a parent or to raise kids in a safe supported community That's so exactly. we you know we thank you all for joining us today we can we encourage you to continue to have these conversations with your friends your colleagues your families so that women's reproductive choices um, continue to be destigmatized and normalized and we hope that you challenge yourself to think about how these early abortion bans would affect women in your lives if and when these laws do go into effect. And we want to note that it is, it is important to support local and national organizations that are really putting the fight against these early abortion bans. You can do your part by donating to them. We'll list these resources on our website. Thank you for tuning in today. Please subscribe to our podcast if you want to hear more. We'll be sharing new episodes within the coming weeks. So stay tuned. Our website is notyouraveragemy.com. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Press that like button.